0: The following is a message by Sean Taylor, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. All right, thank you. Thank you, Joel. It is my pleasure to be pastored by you as well and by you sheldon it's it's one of the privileges that we have in plurality a lot of times people ask who is pastor and the pastor in plurality the other pastors pastor each other and we get to benefit from the varying giftings that the lord has given to us As we begin or start again our series in Mark 4, we're going to be looking at verses 35 to 41. As Joel mentioned, we are diving back into the fall of the sun, journeying together through the gospel of Mark, and I'll be finishing chapter 4. Chapter 4 is coming off of the heels of Jesus doing his four parables. And for the rest of this chapter and also chapter 5, we're going to see Mark highlighting some miracles. This is going to be one of the four miracles. The whole accent of this book hasn't changed. The author still wants us to come face to face with Jesus. He is still the main character. And we're going to see how this Jesus has authority over natural disasters in this passage. We're going to eventually hear of his authority over demons, over diseases, and ultimately over death. You see, Mark wants to get us acquainted with the varying mighty deeds of jesus because what that reveals about who he is is very crucial for us because that's going to fuel our faith so let us read together mark 4 35 to 41 so on that day when evening had come he said to them let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd Obey him Lord May the entrance of your word Bring light and understanding to us And frankly may we end with the similar awe That the disciples had In Jesus name we pray Amen Amen So as a husband A very regular occurrence in the Taylor household Is this great quest to find things Usually, this is when we are running late, when we are heading out somewhere, and if I'm being honest, the culprit is me. I'm typically looking for whatever thing that I know was there, checking in the drawer, checking in the closet. I would then remind the entire household, listen, I know I left X here, and it was Y here, the last time i use it i know for sure and then admittedly there's going to be this decoration that i know that one of the children took it up and then what's going to happen you're going to have my blessed wife walks in she goes exactly where i was looking and then tada it's found it's hidden in plain sight Now, we may all have different theories as to why this happens. I have my own. We're not going to share those. But the experts say that this is very similar to the quest that a writer would have trying to edit their own work. You see, sometimes when we are so familiar with a setting, it's very easy to miss the details. And so this is what the experts say. You see, in looking at a passage like this today, looking at this particular text and story, we're kind of in a similar situation. You see, whether it be because of Sunday school or you hearing this whole story preached a number of times, you probably can tell me right now about the story of Jesus coming in the storm. You don't even have to be looking in your Bible. You probably can tell me some of the points there. You probably can tell me, hey, this is what it means. This is how you can apply it to your life. But you see, therein lies one of the challenges. Because of that, we really miss some of the details simply because of our over-familiarity. Sometimes we can easily miss the point that the author wants to tell us As we focus on the broad story, but miss some of the unique details that especially Mark wants to tell us. And so this morning, that's my hope. As we walk through this story, I want us to look at some of the vivid details that Mark shares in this account. As we examine this sort of nature miracle in the book, we're going to do it in three parts. We're going to look at the story. And then we're going to look at the point, and then we're going to look at the promise. And so I want you to come with me in Mark 4, just track in the Bible as we look at verse 35 to 41 as we talk about the story, the story of Jesus coming in the storm. We actually see Matthew and Luke mention this story as well. But unlike Mark's account, there's a lot of vivid details that the other gospel writers left out. See, Mark clearly wants to give us a sort of eyewitness account from the very beginning. So how do we see verse 35 starting? In the first verse, he points out the hour of the day. He says, on that day. And so you get an idea that this whole story is on the same day of Jesus' very powerful teaching on the parables. And if you remember, he would have had a very large crowd around him, so large that he would eventually have to go on to a boat as he would preach and project his voice while being on the Galilee Sea. We don't know how long the ministry time was going if jesus started in the morning but all we know that at this point it was evening time evening time and jesus looks on his disciples and say let us go across to the other side again mark doesn't tell us the exact reason he wants to do that but i think it's very safe for us to assume that jesus intends to probably take a short break after his preaching And then also to continue the mission that he has said he was going to do. He's heading over to the Gentile area, a particular region where he wants to continue to do what he said in chapter 1 verse 38 where he says, Let us go to the next town that I may preach there also for that is why I came out. Jesus, he is still a man on a mission. So even as he heads out, we see in verse 36, we see the disciples escort him away onto a vessel with what looks like an entourage of other boats. Mark mentions this. We don't get to hear any more details about the other boats. Again, we have no idea how long these guys are out on the water, but what would have been a very uneventful trip across the lake swiftly turns into a nightmare for these disciples all of a sudden verse 37 says what a great windstorm arose and when you look at the original text and the original language the it, it kind of communicates this idea of like a hurricane all of a sudden on the Galilee Sea a hurricane just comes And again, this is not your journey where the captain comes on and goes, excuse me, but we are heading into some turbulence. Mark tells us that the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling water is coming in we don't know exactly what happened but i envision the disciples trying to get some bucket you try get the water out they're moving they're holding on to things what we're going to do about the sails is it tearing again i just picture that this is utter chaos how quickly the very calm waters just turn on them And at this point, really, the disciples are bugging out. And rightly so. You see, the the reality is when someone isn't an expert in a topic or a field, it's it's very easy for them to freak out a bit when they're not sure how things are going. If you go into a hospital and look at doctors dealing with some of these typical cases, they, they walk around pretty calm, don't they? They're very calm as they're going about their merry way and sometimes we don't know what's happening and we can be very nervous and you'd hear them say don't worry we're gonna we're gonna deal with this don't worry uh, but i remember my wife talking about when she was about to uh, feeling contractions she was very calm and and is and she's saying okay yeah israel is ready and uh, all of a sudden they are calm and then you hear them running and, and shuffling and shuffling. And really when you start to see the experts start to run and shuffle and worry, something, something more than likely going wrong. And this is the exact situation. You're talking about the disciples who a number of them would have been expert fishermen. They're expert fishermen, they're expert sailors. This is the lake that they're used to working in. This is their home turf. So they're very aware of how the weather can change, how they are able to ride the seas when it gets rough or windy. And so they probably again tried all that they could do when this great storm came. But really, at the end of the day, they came to this confu- conclusion we did know we did know so already there's so much about this story by the way that resembles a familiar story in the old testament of Jonah Jonah when he's heading out you know running away from what God has told him to do in a boat with some sailors and he's there resting and then all of a sudden this great storm happens I will get back to that a little later But verse 38 tells us that in their worry, in their concern, the disciples go and they seek out Jesus. But where do we find Jesus? What is Jesus doing? He is? He's sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. I mean, no doubt Jesus is very exhausted from his very long time of ministry. Jesus is doing what men need, rest. And even in this little detail, you see, Mark is giving us a small reminder about a very great mystery of Christ. Jesus was indeed a man. And it's a very crucial thing for the Christ to be. In order to be our representative, in order to stand in the gap for mankind, Jesus had to be man. But to be man, Jesus needed to sleep. He needed to rest so verse 38 again with the details very interesting mark says but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing do you not care that we are perishing we are about to die again the greek shows a very strong language that is not even as strong when you look at matthew or luke you see Mark doesn't want to sanitize our notion or view of the disciples you see in the midst of their ordeal standing at the precipice of death's door this is actually how they felt you don't care we're going to die Again, it it might seem harsh when you hear something like that. I mean, it certainly irks my religious sensibilities. I mean, this is not how you speak to Jesus, right? It sounds like a very strong accusation. But realize that as strong as it sounds, we are very much like the disciples in our own reactions. I mean, we may pretty it up, you know, we pretty it up. We, we, we might not go as far to say, "Jesus, yo, you not care," but we'll say, "Yes, yeah, sure, Jesus, you care." but right now, in my current situation, this is not very high in your priority list. Hmm? If we 're honest with ourselves, sometimes in our trials and our suffering, we feel God is probably a little indifferent to my plight. When we are brought to the end of ourselves, it's, it's really easy to question honestly that he cares about this particular situation where I am right now. You see, when we don't see Jesus responding to our circumstances with the type of urgency we believe it needs right now, we can be wondering if God asleep. God must be sleeping. Yet, Jesus' sleeping did not represent a lack of care. We see in verse 39, it says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You see, as if speaking to an insolent child, Jesus looks at the hurricane, this epic force of nature, and says, Peace, be still. In the original language, it communicates this idea of being muzzled. Jesus said, Suckle yourself. Like a servant responding very immediately to its master's call, the winds cease their blowing, and the waters get still. You see, Jesus then in verse 40, after all of that, turns to his disciples and in a rebuke says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I mean, such again interesting thing for Jesus to say. I mean I I can almost wonder if in the disciples head they're saying to themselves all right okay did he not see the water filling the boat I mean didn't he hear the howling of the winds didn't he feel the pounding of the water as it was crashing on the boat but what we realize is that a knowledge of the circumstances that the faith Or that they were facing Wasn't the issue on Jesus' mind You see the problem isn't a knowledge gap It's a faith gap You see, at this point, even though the disciples would have seen all the things that Christ did, they were following him for a time, they would have seen that this is a man who has authority over religious leaders. He had authority over sickness. He had authority over unclean spirits. They still never get it. And as we continue through the book of Mark, you will realize it's not the first time and it certainly won't be the last time that they miss that point. And I promise you, it won't be the first time or the last time that you and I miss that point. You see, after seeing Jesus' miraculous display, we see in verse 41 that their initial fear the initial fear they had for the storm is redirected to jesus and they were filled with great fear and said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him which is how we're going to transition to the next point what's the point of this story the point is actually revealed in the disciples' final question. Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? You see, modern technology has done a lot of things for us. It's done a lot of remarkable things. Through modern technology, through science, we get to see and witness people being healed of diseases that years ago they would never been healed of. We get to witness people with disabilities being assisted with the technology of prosthetics and the likes. But listen, even with all our science, nature still remains a very violent force that can't be tamed. I mean, we can forecast things, we can forecast storms, we can be aware of the category, we can be aware of the wind speed but beside all that we are still at the mercy of its force and its effect you know most recently in november we would have felt some of the rains and the winds that was coming from hurricane Eta, which had very deadly effects on honduras and guatemala even now they're still feeling the devastation that has come from all of that And so, again, in the midst of storms, in the midst of nature and the power and the force that it has, you almost can feel helpless at the end of the day. Because really, all you can do is just brace yourself. You know, as mere men and women, we simply hope that we have enough food in the pantry, that the foundation is strong enough to withstand the force of the wind and the water and so even with our own technology we can sit rightly in the same boat with the disciples and recognize that what jesus did was truly remarkable again more than that for the disciples who are very well aware of certain things as good jews they're aware of what the old testament has to say about the display that jesus just showed Again, one wonders if as they are watching the instantaneous calming of the raging storms in their mind, they were thinking and thinking about Psalm 98, 8 to 9, which says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging sea, when its waves mount up, you still them. Or similarly, in Psalm 107, to 29, where the psalmist declares, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. In that boat, at that moment, they were witnessing the creator and the controller of the seas. And they were realizing that this person is in our midst. Again, verse 41, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? You see, this newfound fear that we mention after seeing this, really first is them realizing that, Okay, I see this storm. I see how deadly it is but that was quickly overshadowed by awe and power of Jesus himself why because at that moment they realized this is not just Jesus the man who needs to rest this is not Jesus the guy who is just a really good teacher this is God himself in that moment that's probably what is hitting them and therein lies the point of the story what's the point of jesus coming in the storm well it is to point you and i to jesus who is god as i mentioned a bit earlier there are some important details that come up that really resembles that of jonah and when you look at it it's really amazing Jesus himself will kind of mention in another setting about how he's similar to Jonah. But here we see that in both settings, yes, they go out on a boat. Jonah was running from the mission to the Gentiles that God had sent him out on. But Jesus is going towards Gentile territory as God's obedient servant. In both cases, Jesus and Jonah would be asleep in the midst of a storm. But God is going to use that as a demonstration of power to those in the boat. The sailors in Jonah and then the disciples that were very much there. You see, for the prophet in rebellion, Jonah needed to be cast into the waters to calm the storm. But for Jesus, the righteous God, by his very word, the storm would be quelled you see guys every natural disaster that we see on this earth whether it be the shattering of the quake or the rise of a tsunami all of that is a result of one thing it's a result of sin that has entered creation And so, again, one of the points that Mark wants to make for us, Jesus' calming of the storm is but a foreshadowing of him calming. One of the greatest storms that would threaten our lives. The greatest storm that would threaten our lives is the chaos of sin which would ultimately lead to death. And really here what we see is a foreshadowing of something that would come. Where ultimately Jesus would throw himself, would cast himself into the sea of God's wrath. Even though he was the innocent one. How the great storm that was coming because of our sin against God. Jesus would be swallowed up by the stormy sea of God's wrath. He would be battered. He would be pierced on a bloody cross like a boat being hit by the waves and the water. The sea did quiet down for us, though. The sea did quiet for us. You see, the fact that Jesus died and rose again for you is a powerful and everlasting answer to the question of whether or not Jesus actually cares you see you and i have the answer to the question jesus cares no he is not indifferent no he's not unaffected by your plight you say he's sleeping in the boat is his posture of peace His sleeping in the boat is a posture of rest, knowing that he is now seated with the Father, aware that his work on behalf of his disciples in that boat and his disciples in this boat is finished. You see, the point of the story is a point here to who Jesus is, the Lord over chaos the lord over our sin the lord over the storms of death to point us to the god who would save us from our biggest terror our biggest disaster that's the main point point. and then that main point carries us to the promise what's the promise we can take from this story You see, there first of all, promises for us as his disciples here. See, to be a disciple is to be with Jesus, and to be with Jesus is to be on mission with him. So we, too, are called to go with him on the boat, as it were. We are called to go with him in our everyday lives. But just like the disciples, God orchestrates events in our lives to increase our faith, is the one who has already been with us in the boat. That is what he's doing. And so, again, I ask the question Will Jesus calm all our storms? Not according to our perspectives. Jesus will always act on behalf of us, Jesus always cares, Jesus is always working for our good and his glory. But sometimes that certainly will affect the timing. It certainly will affect how he chooses to do or not do something. Grace from the church, you and I are not promised stormless or safe lives. Free from the threats of danger. God will often take you from the safety of the shore and say, let us go to sea. You see, the chaos that has come up in that broken relationship may not settle today. It may not settle next week or for the next few years. In our journey with Jesus, you may very well still be sick. You may very well still be in need. But honestly, better to be in the storm with our Savior than to be on the calm sand by yourself. You see, you are promised that God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. This is what Isaiah 26, 3 tells us. And you see, in that, we realize then that life storms are really discipleship moments. All those storms that we're talking about, God is orchestrating these moments to cause us to learn of and realize who Jesus is. Who he is, he's the all-powerful. He's a caring God who can, we can put our trust in. It's in intended to help us to redirect our focus away from the disasters before us and instead strengthen our faith and leave us in awe of him. You see, he's very concerned He's very concerned about your faith, disciples. Again, sometimes for us, we might think that faith is being at this point where we can act just like Jesus, yeah? Where we can stand up as the waters hit our face and we can stand up with strength and boldness and speak to the things in our lives and say, be peace. But faith at its core is really trusting that the one who rules over everything is with us. This is the core of faith. And because his presence is with us, we can have peace. You know, I love how David Platt puts it. David Platt says, Faith is not confidence that trials won't come your way. Faith is confidence that no matter what wind and waves come your way, In this world, the God of the universe will be right there in the boat with you. His power and his presence will see you through. Christian, Christian, you are not alone. And ultimately, you are safe in the presence of the one who has ultimate authority over all disaster. See, disciples, we can come then in confidence... We can actually come in confidence then with our small scale troubles and distresses. Because we know He's not indifferent to our large scale and pressing threat. He has dealt with it. So come to Him. Come to Him with your burdens. Come to Him with your concerns. Come to Him with your yoke. They're not too insignificant because He has already proven that He cares. He's dealt with our biggest storm. He cares. So, again, this story of how Jesus calms a raging storm reminds us how Jesus Christ is crushing the chaos caused by sin. He is getting ready to renew and address all the destruction that has come to his creation. If the winds and the waves rightly recognize him as god and by his word stand in submission we should likewise do the same we should likewise do the same as his disciples may we recognize that in our journey with jesus we certainly going to face disaster but let us not forget certain things What are those things? It is Jesus who sovereignly sends his disciples. It is Jesus who is committed to be with them as they go. It is Jesus who goes with us. He's not just man, but he's almighty God who has a power over the forces of nature. It is Jesus who shows us that he cares by dealing with our most dangerous storm. And so Grace Family Church... May we be overawed by him. May we be so in awe with him that the disasters we face don't compare. I want us to close with an excerpt from Scotty Smith's book, Everyday Prayers. May this be our prayers uh, we walk through the different things that we're walking through he says you haven't promised me a stormless hassle free disappointment empty life you offer me no formulas for decreasing the probability of sad things happening around me or disillusioning things happening to me but you have promised something that transcends the chaos and fears of uncertainty You've promised to keep me in perfect peace in the midst of whatever happens. May he daily keep us, Grace Family Church, in that peace as we journey with the Savior who is Lord over the storm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that you have given to us to fuel our faith, to bring us to a place of awe, in you God you know the different things that we face you know the different concerns that hit us and bring terror to our eyes and to our lives that cause us to be like we are good dead make our manage but God would you meet us there Lord I thank you that for your children you are with us there and that we can call on you Because you have dealt with our greatest storm. Which shows that you care. And that we can be at peace knowing you are there. Thank you, Father, for that perfect peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have just listened to a message by Sean Taylor, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.